You're listening to The Max with Sterling and Taylor Mack. Highly opinionated, and you just might learn something. Come on in and enjoy the listen. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of To The Max. If I sound a little weird, if I don't have that same audio quality, it's because big life changes, big moves. That's why That's why it's been a little break. Had a lot of stuff going. I'm not located in Florida anymore, up in the Northeast, up here in Massachusetts. So we got a uh, recurring guest, Cam Squires. Thank you for coming back on. Sterling, how you doing down there in Charlotte? Uh, I'm actually in Atlanta at the moment, but I'm doing well. Oh, ATL. Okay, so we, but East Coast to West Coast connection, we have a lot of things to talk about because there's been a lot of news. Let me just highlight it real quick. My, my bad, Cam. How you doing? I almost, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't escape. No, doing all right. Uh, not too much different than last time. You know, just excited to have a discourse with my friends. Yes, if you guys don't remember, Cam is a uh, Hollywood writer. If you know, you'll. You can see him wherever <laughs> discourse with friends, nice. <laughs> but you can see uh, he's on a show right now called Final Space, which comes on TBS. Uh, what I forgot? Sorry, blanket on the day. Tuesday, Tuesday. Uh, it's on Mondays at eleven thirty on Adult Swim. Okay, but you can catch yeah. Final Space is in its second season. Great show. Uh, but but like I said, there's a lot of things that went down. Let me just do this all in one breath. <clears throat> Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson, NBA draft, Lakers, 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 AD, Megan Rapinoe, USA World Cup, men losing in the Gold Cup, Mexico beating us by one, <laughs> Josie out the door, what you doing, wide open net, then you got MLB coming up with the All-Star game, NASCAR getting rained out, NASCAR All-Star races back a couple weeks ago, IndyCar, F1, we got a lot of stuff going on, IndyCar's going to be in Toronto, F1's uh going into the english grand prix or austrian, austrian grand prix so there's a lot of things happening but the biggest let's go let's just let's dive after that minute and a half intro Kawhi leonard to the clippers i'm gonna let sterling go i mean it's uh one of the craziest days probably in nba history right the the complete overhaul of a team that you thought was going to con- continue to battle in the west uh in the thunder and Kawhi Leonard essentially kind of giving this like F you to the Lakers, you know, and I, I want to talk to Cam who's out in LA, one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, and just kind of discuss that because I think, I think that's where we have to start with this, right. Is the fact that Kawhi kind of essentially put to like, essentially told LeBron, no, right. It seemed like he wanted to go to the Clippers the whole time and was able to orchestrate this behind the scenes, getting Paul George, Right. And getting Steve Ballmer to buy in and, you know, give up six draft picks to Miami first, all these other firsts they're now giving to the Thunder. I mean, the, the overhaul that the Thunder get and to be able to now rebuild, and we'll talk about Russell Westbrook, I'm sure, at a later point. But it's it's an insane NBA deal, and it obviously ch- puts the Clippers at the top of the the top of the power rankings of who you think will win the title next year. It, it really does. Uh, yeah, Cam, how is, how is L.A. reacting out there right now? You know, A.D., Lakers, Kawhi, Clippers, P.G., Clippers, Bat, Pat Bev just out here flexing with him with Lou Will. I mean, what's, what's the vibe out there? Yeah, well, I'll tell you the dumbest thing that I saw. Uh, I saw somebody already painting a mural of Kawhi in a Lakers jersey. Yep. And I think the caption <laughs> on the mural or something was like, it could happen or something like that, like on some like old school angels in the outfield stuff. But like the, the idea to even think that Kawhi was going to the Lakers to me was foolish. Like there's no way. It wasn't like at the beginning of this year, like they talked to KD and they talked to Kawhi and both of them were like, nah, I'm not really interested in playing with LeBron. Yeah. So yeah. like people just, do people just forget that and just say like, this would be so cool. Like, I want to see it happen. And then like ignore all all the logic that they had already said, or like I don't know. Him going to the Clippers was like from day one of Kawhi, like Kawhi's on the clock. It was like he's probably going to Clippers. It, it, so I'm just not surprised. It it, it made no it, zero sense for him to go to the Lakers. And then like just like you said, the early the first like one of the first reports that came out, he said he didn't want to be like the third fiddle on the Lakers. I don't know if that's exact wording, but he didn't want to have three superstars on the team. Essentially being the third role on that team. So you know his MO, and why did they keep perpetuating this whole rumor that just went full blown, you know, the last two days? It made it made no sense knowing that it was it was yeah, it was always either Toronto, uh staying home in Toronto, but they couldn't give up the, the draft picks to the to the Thunder for what 
um, with, for what they're trying to do. And then the clips, obviously, Jerry West, logo man. He's been he's he's honestly been one of the the best front office individuals in the NBA, just low key for the last step for the several past several years, just working. Yeah, I agree, and, and I, I'm glad you put that point up there, right? And about Toronto because I think Toronto drives the price up when Usai understands that he's not getting Kawhi back at a certain point. Mm-hmm. He now is like, all right, well, he right, he essentially turns down the Russell Westbrook Paul George deal for Siakam and Siakam, Van Vliet, and multiple firsts, he turns that down. The Clippers then look at that, and, and I don't think you saw at any point was like, I want to rebuild with Russell, with Russell Westbrook, right? Like, yeah, that, that was never in his, his thought process. Exactly. So he drives the price up, and now Steve Ballmer and Jerry West are like, all right, well, if you turn that down, I, we now have to go do this to go get Paul George. And it's essentially like a Kawhi Leonard-Paul George trade right from the, from the Thunder to the Clippers. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, but kudos to Jerry West. He has to do this, right? Because if not, I mean, the Clippers are going to just continue to be like in the eight seed or just outside the playoffs. And like, what does that even do from a draft pick perspective? You're giving up draft picks are going to be, you know, 10, 12, maybe 15. Like, who, you know, no offense to those players that get drafted in those slots, but they're typically not, you know, all like, like altering uh, draft picks, right? Exactly. Let me, let me ask this for both of y'all because he's out there right now and he's coming fresh off an of injury. His, his body's fresh all year. Pause. Do they bring in Dwight Howard? God, no. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, I don't think any team, well, not any team, like desperate teams maybe bring him in. But like that dude has proven time and time again that like he'll just go places for money and that team will probably not be a contender. So it's just like, why would anyone spend the money on him right now as part of any type of big three? I well, I, I'm just I'm just kind of joking around with bringing him in, but I'm just thinking on the outside. It's like you you obviously give him the league minimum because Dwight can't ask for high dollars, mm-hmm. and then now you just have a center off the bench who's. Let's just give it to him. He is by the numbers a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, and oh, if yeah, I mean you're right. And if he's oh, moving right, you yeah. have a center who can rebound and kick out to your second team or interact with your first team. So all you need him to do is, and you know Kawhi being Kawhi is gonna be like, just get buckets or just get sorry, just get boards. That's all we need you to do. Just get boards. That's it. <laughs> you think about shooting the three? No, you're on the bench. And he'll have here's the thing though, like yeah, this is what happens. This is what happens in front offices though. They they have they do exactly what you just did. They sit in a room and they're like, you know who will be great. <laughs> Dwight Howard. And then you know what happens? They bring in Dwight bring Howard, in Dwight and, the, Howard. And, the, and the team loses 10 less games than they did the year before, right? So it's yeah. just – listen, I, I, I thought last year – I said this on multiple podcasts that we did a couple uh, last year or last season, NBA season. I don't think he ever plays again. I think that story or whatever allegedly happened is pretty insane. Yeah. And I think there's probably still more to come out about that. I, I just don't know if teams are willing to take a risk from a PR perspective if if whatever is still like left to be known comes out. And right. also like what does he even do from a value perspective, right? Like he's he's just not the same athlete that he was when he was back in Orlando. And I I, I agree with everything you said there. It's just just the wild thought to see, you know, who to bring because eventually you're gonna see like Zaza Pachulia come off and be the basically tenth man off the bench for some team at least halfway during the season. Yeah. But uh, I have to pull up their roster. Normally, I have the, the dual computers going, but I, I don't have that going at the moment. What roster are we looking at? Who are we talking about? Uh, what's the Clips roster? Just for looking at so right now, the, power, right power now the Clippers, power. right now the Clippers are Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Pat Beverly, Mo Harkless on an expiring eleven million dollar deal, Lou Williams, uh, Zubak, who they just signed to that four year twenty eight million dollar deal, Montrezl uh-huh. Harrell, Rodney McGruger, Jerome Robinson, and Landry Shamit. Uh, then a couple like two way guys uh, underneath that. You know what? Then I for, uh, that forgot about Montrezl Harrell. He's been there. He dragged. They were whatever. But Montrezl Harrell, great, good four, tenacious under the rim. So that's essentially a Dwight Howard. And I think he's he's obviously more agile. I don't know. I can't remember about his shot. So on paper, they actually look really good. I was gonna say he's just younger and not gonna be a problem. Yeah. You know I mean? like, there's not, there's, there's no. <laughs> There's no extra stuff that comes with Montrez Harrell. Like, it's just like he's going to be there. He's going to play hard game in and game out. And Dwight Howard will play hard some games. And then you also get the added bonus of 
terrible stories that come along with him. So like, not worth it. If Joe Johnson keeps killing it in the big three, do you bring Joe Johnson in on a ten day and see how he see how he can work back in the NBA? I'm not gonna I'm lie, like, like Sterling, but was, yeah. I'm like, all right. It's just it's <laughs> the answer is no. The quick answer is no. <laughs> but I will say though, if you're a team and it's like February and you're like, you know what we need? Like, take Denver, right? Like yeah. Denver's offense stalls sometimes, and they just need a guy to go get you a bucket. Joe Johnson can still go get you a bucket. Right? I so Joe. It's just, it's just, can he do that night in, night out, still against elite athleticism, not against forty-five-year-olds in the big three? Yeah, someone. I mean, Odom was out here putting in work in the big three, and I saw somebody put like like a tweet like Odom's knees. What the hell <laughs> doing doing Charles Barkley? <laughs> And they have uh, didn't they have Katino Mobley out there too? Oh, Katino, yeah. Katino drop buckets, drops buckets. Yeah, bring him on too. Then he, he could be uh, right after right after Johnson. Well, the interesting thing is, I mean, we're we're making fun of we're doing this thing, but like Carmelo Anthony's going to get signed, right? And I assume he gets signed by the Lakers because oh, they're going to. Oh, certainly don't. Do I, that. I agree with you. I just don't want it to happen. Don't I'm being. Too. No, no, no. Let, okay, wait, wait. Let's do the Lakers roster, right? Mm-hmm. LeBron James, Anthony Davis are at their max cap space. LeBron is going to make $37 million next year. They just signed Danny Green for $14 million. They brought back Contavious Caldwell-Pope for whatever reason on an $8 million deal. <laughs> then you've got – right? Like, why would you sign KCP for $8 million? Like, what do you Sorry, keep going, keep going, keep going. I thought, I thought they left him out in free agency hoping – not going to pick him back up. So then you got JaVale McGee, DeMarcus Cousins, Quinn Cook, Alex Caruso, who my man Alex Caruso about to be the next white chocolate. Shout out my man out of Texas a Hey, he's he's fire. Then you got Rondo, Kuzma, Jared Dudley, Troy Daniel. So, like, they need another score, right? Because who else can shoot the ball outside of Kuzma and Troy Daniels? Uh, I'm not – I mean, Car- Caruso's really – a mid-range, and then he uses his ups and goes to the lane. But he can shoot three a little bit. I mean, he yeah, but he's 6'3", right? So you need a wing. Like, who from a wing position outside of Danny Green is going to consistently score for you and be able to stretch the floor, right? And and obviously, we saw Danny Green struggled at times in the postseason. Like, he's yeah. just getting older. Like, his shot's kind of in and out right now. But, like, Carmelo makes sense on this team. If he can come in, give you fifteen to twenty minutes a night, and hit a couple threes every night, but like, does he accept that role? I guess is my question. Like, well, it'd be that, or he doesn't play. play. And then I, you're putting what is Melo? Like, I mean, if Melo retired tomorrow, right? He's still probably also a Hall of Famer. So oh, he's the first. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. So it's like, if, if you're him, like, you can either just like ride it off, or you can like do something else that means like you have to kind of have a little bit of humility. And I just feel like he hasn't necessarily shown that that much, not even really in OKC. I mean, we've all seen the jokes that Shaq does to Charles for not having a ring. He needs a ring because he's going to go in the booth. We all know that. Everybody wants to hear the analysis from Melo. But do we, though? Can we talk about that? I don't don't know if I'm on that. I think people do. I I think people do. Or at least have him, you know, come on for guest spots. But then, you know, Melo doesn't want to sit there when they're talking about, you know, winning championships and what it takes to have a championship caliber team and he never won. And they're going to be like, Melo, you can't talk about this. Like, you don't don't know what it takes, Melo. Like, he doesn't want that. You know he doesn't want it. Well, he'd still be better than Paul Pierce. Yeah, but that that 08, I'm I'm paraphrasing someone's tweet, is, is that 08 team is milking the hell out of that one championship. Why is Kendrick Perkins on my TV now? I have no idea. <laughs> Kendrick, no, I'm dead serious. Like, what is, why is he there? And he gives you no insight. Like, you got Cassidy Hubbard, who's, like, amazing, right? Like, she she, she does every, she does football, she does basketball. She'll throw a question to Kendrick Perkins, like, what do you think, like, what do you think Zion needs to do or, or kind of work on to be, to be in the elite level in his first year? And Kendrick Perkins is like, man, you know, he came out of Duke. He got that athleticism. You know, I like the way that I like the way that he grinds. He go pick and roll. And you're like, what, what, what the hell? What, what did I just hear on my TV? It's like you're not adding anything. Uh, but I don't know how he did. He's he's just started up, and then now he's like a fi- a main fixture when it comes to getting insight for calling in. He's uh, 
ah, I forgot that ESPN commercial when you're like, oh, whatever you need a bit, he's always there. And then he rips off the suit jacket. And he's like, mom, I'm done with my interview. Uh, I can't remember. Clayton Smith? Oh, Clayton. Um, he's yeah, I know you're talking about. He's the new the Clayton. With the ponytail? John Clayton. He's going to be the new John Clayton. I don't, so, that doesn't make sense because John Clayton was like an actual journalist. That's my. I'm just saying he's he's John. <laughs> the, point, the point of that was John Clayton's always there for like the spot on interview whenever you need him, and that's what they're bringing in KP for. Can you perfect? I want to see what just, his contract was. I bet you it was like one season, and then question mark going forward. <laughs> and they're gonna be like, nah, man, snatch the rug out. <laughs> <laughs> like if he's bringing in the fans, we'll keep it going. But if not, it is what it is. But uh, you kind of had a good transition point that I wanted to talk about. And this was our reservations beforehand, and that is Zion Williamson. Um, we you know, talked about his analyst just there from K- Kendrick Perkins. We talked about him being – obviously, he could be a once-in-a-generational player with the way that he you know, he drives the basket, his size, his speed, his athleticism. But he's 6'8 in a game where you can't be a tweener at the four. And if you don't have the jump shot as a three, as a stretch three, you know, Josh Smith it, um, then Josh Smith never had a shot. But what is he going to really do? Because now you're seeing his shots getting blocked when he's trying. I mean, he's still young. He's going to figure out how to get the ball around the rim without having it, you know, bringing it from down low from where he's at right now. But do you see uh, trouble on the horizon a little bit for Zion Williamson? And did this knee injury that he have really help him out? Because now people won't point out the weaknesses in his game so early and shake his confidence. Okay, well, I'll take that real quick, and then I'll bounce it to you. I mean, yeah. um, the Josh Smith comparison, and I hadn't heard that, is absolutely amazing, to be honest with you. Because Josh Smith came in right out of high school at 6'8". He was leaner, right, when he came out of high school, but, like, just this freak athlete. And Josh Smith never realized, like, really what to do with what he had, right? He never learned how to, like, stretch it out and kind of be that Scotty Pippen that everybody thought he could be. He was never a lockdown defender all that type of stuff. I think Zion off the bat is going to be really good defensively just because he's going to try. And and I think he under, he understands defensive concepts really well, mm-hmm. but he has to learn. He has to figure out a couple ways to your point, right? Like uh, going against guys with elite athleticism now, like at Duke, he could just body people and just like either dunk the ball or lay the ball in right now. Like NBA guys, they may not even be as strong as him, but they're just as quick as him. They're just as agile. They jump just as high. He's got to figure out how to score within that like five to 12 foot range, right? With floaters or like some type of jump shot. And he's got to get a set jump shot if he's going to play the pick and roll the way that I think they're going to do it with Drew Holiday and and Lonzo Ball. Like he's got to be able to step back in that four position and shoot the basketball. And to your point, right now with him not playing summer league, I think he can really sit back and hopefully work with uh, the Pelican staff and, and start working on those things. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Sterling basically said what I was going to say, which is just like develop a jumper, you know, because uh, I feel like uh, you guys said Josh Smith. I was thinking Blake Griffin or like okay. yeah. didn't didn't have so, that good of a jumper in college, yeah. but like slowly kind of worked in that five to 12 range in, in those first few years, mastered that. And then like now we start to see Blake kind of shooting threes and like really really spreading it out and it makes him that much more dangerous. I feel like that's kind of, that's going to kind of be Zion's journey is just like developing that jumper and slowly ranging it out. So he's just that much tougher to guard. And then by the time they're coming far out to guard the jumper, he's just going to speed by you and dunk on somebody. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's a re- that's a good comparison too. Cause like Blake came in just as a dunker right out of, out of Oklahoma. The thing with Blake though, is like he had a couple post moves that he could go to mm-hmm. like even at even, you know, right out of college where I don't think Zion, like, I don't think he has any post moves. I think he just like, he's just so strong. Yeah. He just, he just muscles everybody. And then what Kevin Knox, even though he was on the highlight reel for getting the ball took from him, stole from him, but he was, he played better than Zion the entire game though, you know, blocked Mm. the shot too on like a, a whole like three transition process. He went down, scored, blocked the shot, came back down and hit like a jumper or something like that. So yeah, yeah, it's, I, I really do think, this is a blessing in disguise for him with this injury because say he played bad two nights ago, right after the, you know, after the first game and you'd hear every analyst just ripping Zion and then all the praise that he was getting in the first game, you're like, okay, this isn't what we would think a first overall pick. Maybe he should have gone seventh or 10th or something like that. 
if this is yeah, the way the game is really at. Yeah, you get the overreaction, right? And, you know, Max Kellerman would be saying some, like, outlandish stuff, right? He also needs to work on his handle, though. Like, his, the, the issue that he has right now from, like, just catching the ball in the wing is his dribbling yeah. isn't great. And he yeah. might be a little – he might – he looks a little – he looks a little thicker than he was at Duke right now. Boy, boy was eating some gumbo. Let's, let's not lie. Let's not bet. Let's not beat around the bush. He got the New Orleans. And, I, I mean, this is, this is the hard thing about Summer League. Summer League used to be you show up, you're wearing just a Lakers practice jersey. Now there's dedicated jerseys for Summer League. It's an actual big thing now. So you just got drafted and you're expected to at least enjoy it but stay in shape for to go out and play a competitive tourney two weeks later or a week and a half later. That's, yeah. That's, that's tough. Like you, you have no time for yourself really to just enjoy being uh, the number one pick because he ate. Like, there's, he was at Cafe Dumo looking like Tyrone <laughs> Biggums with the, with, with the sugar powder. Let's not kid it. Let's not joke. <laughs> Cause it's just, it's just so, it's just so early, you know, like it's, it's, I feel like sometimes as both fans and like analysts, you know, people see, a few things and they're like, all right, well, here's my conclusion. Cause they got to have a conclusion for the next segment. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, realistically speaking, you're going to want to take time and look at like a larger sample size of games from him and like really dig into like what, what that take is going to be. But I think he's yeah. going to be fine. He'll probably slim down. You know what I mean? He's going to have the most top notch, you know, physical trainers like around him. Like, I think he's going to be, it's gonna be all right, and then it's just working on his game. You know, same as every other rookie. You know, uh, it's it's hard to get like a LeBron who like absolutely lives up to the expectations every step of the way. You know, it's hard to get somebody like that. So I think we gotta give give some time. That's a great that's a great point, right? And, and LeBron stepped in in his first game when he had like eighteen points against the Kings, yeah. like a good Kings team in like 03, right? So yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can we, if we go, can we go back to the Paul George trade real quick? Yeah. What go. what happens to Russell Westbrook? <laughs> Didn't he already ask for? He said he was open to a trade now, and they said Miami was. He's been talking to Miami or something. Can you imagine Jimmy? Can you imagine Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook playing together? No, I can't. It's hard to imagine Russell Westbrook playing with anyone <laughs> besides them early years with KD and James Harden when nobody knew what that was really about. Like, Russell Westbrook now, it's like he's going to have to be the dude on that team. So it's really hard to imagine him anywhere else where he's not the man. And part of being a big three is, like, you got to share the wealth. So I, I don't know. Yeah, do it. He, he proved a little bit this past year. But to, to, just to directly answer your question, Sterling, no, he cannot play. With that's just the the conflicting personalities between he and because they're two; those are two top dogs, two very top dogs. That won't work. And then to Cam, what you're just saying exactly like he has to learn to be a part of a bigger whole. And it showed last year he worked on that with PG, letting PG when PG is on, like all right, I'm gonna let PG have it. And in the interview, I'm gonna say that you know if PG's on, I'm gonna let him do his thing. Blah 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 blah. But then when crunch time time started coming, you know, old Russ comes back out and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I, I forgot which game that we broke down. And you're just like, I think like Russ tried to shoot a three instead of driving to the basket then drove the basket when he should have just pulled up like from the from the free throw line. You're like you're making mental errors and you're in whatever year you are right now in the NBA. and You're still doing the same thing. So, I, yeah, it'd be a terror. It'd be a huge mistake. Uh, to send him to uh, – or if he went to uh, Miami? I think they should trade him to New York. And it might stunt R.J. Barrett's development just a little bit. But it, <laughs> just a little. <laughs> <laughs> but it puts <laughs> – You're going to say yeah. two years. Who's, 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 we still have R.J. Barrett on the team. <laughs> that, I mean, I no. feel like R.J.'s path becomes, hey, watch Russ <laughs> from the bench, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, it does a little bit, but it's like it, it still gives Russ that huge stage, right? Russ is a star. He's in New York. He gets he would get to play in New York. He would then have his own team, right? Um, I just think it's yeah, Taylor. To your point, right? It's, he's proven now, and it and it stinks to say because I'm a huge Russ fan. I just he plays so hard, but yeah. he is so flawed from a from just a player standpoint that it's hard to imagine him being in a winning situation. 
Yeah. And I think Miami is close to like adding a couple pieces to winning. Yeah. Right. Or getting close to winning. I just wouldn't see him and Jimmy Butler like that. That pairing just seems very like that. That would blow up in the first month or so. And man, I'm with you. Mental mistakes, right? I just feel like that's part of how. That's just part of how Russell plays. Like I feel like we're going to be seeing that all the way up to like his penultimate and then final season. We're going to be seeing those same mistakes because he's going to be moving a million miles an hour, and like that's just part of what kind of comes with that kind of play. I get that, but but in like like seriously, it it pains me to talk bad about Russ because I honestly mm-hmm. respect his game so much for coming out eighty two games a year, playing his heart out every single game, and you know you're getting hundred percent. But to what you're saying, like. Yeah, that is Russ going 100 miles an hour, but you can't do that now. Like, you are at a point in your career where you should be able to, all right, I'm going to hit the brakes, line this up. That's why Kawhi is so good. Right. He, he gives what you – he takes what you give him. Right. Russ is still saying, I don't care what you're not giving me. I'm still going to take it, but he doesn't have the size of LeBron James or at least – I'm not saying LeBron's the best three-point shooter or a, a consistent three that LeBron has that he can hit. So mm. you're at this point in your career and you're still making the mistakes that you were making in your second year. And like, I hate when coaches say it, but it's unacceptable. It really, it really, it really is unacceptable. You're right. But the, the comparison there is, is Kawhi, but like Kawhi is probably the best decision maker, at least in my opinion, in the league. Like, I agree with that. For, for what he has and in his split second decisions on what to do, how to be patient, when to shoot, when to draw, like all that stuff. I don't, I, I can't name somebody, at least for me, who does it better than him, even when I was watching the finals. So like, that's a tough comparison to me. Cause like you're, you're dealing with two completely separate ends of the spectrum. I'm gonna give you one. I'm gonna give you one still. And I saw you want to jump in, but I'm gonna give you one real quick. Kimball Walker, buddy plays hundred okay. percent every single game. Mm-hmm. It makes sound. It makes sound sound decisions as a PG. Mm-hmm. Still putting up thirty ten and five or thirty ten and mm-hmm. eight thirty ten triple doubles if he needs to with thirty ten ten if you want to do that route. Mm-hmm. But plays hard, makes the right decision, mm-hmm. and knows how to play at a fast pace and then and then back it up and then give him give take what you're going to give him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Russ, I, there. I think the tough thing to your point, right, is that's a weird comparison with Kimba and Russ, but because they're just different athletes. Russ is a freak athlete, right? Like he's probably the best athlete we've ever seen a point guard. So, but to that point, he's getting at, at, at this at the stage in his career where he he's never developed a jump shot and his, his athleticism is slowly starting to wane a little bit. Uh, I think that's where it's tough for me because it's like, he just can't do the things. Taylor, you made a great point, right? It's like, he he sees the defense and he's like, all right, you're you're trying to make me do this, but I'm just gonna do whatever I want to do, right? Right. And he's been able to because he's so athletic. But because he doesn't have a jumper now, like everyone just figured him out. Like you just sit back and allow him to take jump shots, and he's gonna shoot you out of the game. So um, yeah, it just stinks. I, I I don't know. Hopefully hopefully he lands in a good spot if OKC decides to get rid of him. I thought the Kemba thing was was kind of interesting, just because I feel like Kemba had to learn it the opposite way. Like when he came in, he struggled. Right. So he learned how to play more under control and he learned how to do all of that stuff because he wasn't able to do the same things he did in college. Yep. And I feel like right. Russ, when he first came in the league, was like, I can do the same things I did in college. Like he never had to deal with that learning curve. Right. So then once Kemba mastered that, then it was like, well, I need a jumper now. And like I needed to be consistent. And then once he mastered that, we're dealing with like a, a top five point guard in the league right now in Kemba Walker. So but I feel like. To get there, he had to learn the basically in the opposite way that Russ is going to have to. So are you saying are you both of y'all basically saying a little bit right now that because he was so gifted for so long and he's now realizing that he can't do those things, that in his 13th season, we are now giving him a rookie learning curve because he now notices, hey, I can't do that. I need to adjust my game. Is that was that what we're all saying? I'm not saying rookie learning curve, but like there's just things he's never had to do. And, no, I'm serious. And coaches, no, I'm, I'm laughing because yeah, rookie learning curve was the bait that was, that was <laughs> leaving out there. <laughs> but it's Go like, ahead, but he he he's never played. He's never like played off the ball and really learned how to cut and do the things that like take a Clay Thompson does, right? He's never incorporated that into his game. And because he's been on the ball and he's been so athletic, he can just get to the rim and dunk on you and score and hang in the air and take contact. Now, like he's getting there, but he doesn't jump as high now, right? So he's he's having to adjust in the air 
and he's missing layups now. He, I've never seen him miss more layups than I did last year just because he's not as athletic, right? He's yeah. still trying to jump from way out, and he, he can't get there like he used to. And then because of that, his jump shot's never been good. Well, if you're not scoring at the rim and you can't shoot. Well, this is well, an easy game for me to cover. You. Exactly, right? It, it, it puts the defense in a perfect position because it's so easy to play him. And that's the thing that stinks. It's just like he's just never grown as a player, and he's never been pushed to, to do that, right? And I know Kevin Durant's guy took a couple shots at him. Like, I just think people didn't push Russ in the right, in the correct way to get the best out of him. Right. right. And, and that's I – I, 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 I hope the best for him, but it seems obviously the, the years of Russ and OKC and that relationship uh, are now over. Um, one way or another, whether if he's in the uniform and he's still, and he's still there or if they trade him now. So right. the, the NBA, though, has just been balling with storylines, headlines. I kind of wanted to go back because, Cam, you, you made a good point when we were talking about Zion. And uh, it's about all these reporters trying to put their two cents in to make a name for uh, like during this whole time, like, yeah, Kawhi's going to go out to – it was between L.A. and the Raptors. Clippers are out of it. Somebody on, like, on Twitter had basically half of the NBA believing that he was going to go to L.A. due to his blah, blah, blah sources. And you mm-hmm. have the, the Kellermans of the world just dropping in, just nonsense. How are y'all feeling about the state of the reporters right now in, in, in sports? And this is kind of leading to something that Sterling wanted to talk about too. But – how do you, how are y'all feeling about aside from Woj? Woj is the only person who fact checks everything that he does. Is it time to just kind of get get away from the wild takes, the Colin Cowherds of the world, the Skip Baylesses, and like trying to bait people and like, let's just keep it straight up? Like I don't know. We should they just been like I don't know where Kawhi is going. Let's just sit back and listen and wait and let's talk about Wimbledon. Well, that's not necessarily their job. So I get it from that perspective where it's like their job is to have that take. But at the same time, I mean, we're dealing in a, in, a, in a time where it's like social media and it's like everything is at the snap of a finger. So it's like if you want to get the likes and you want to get the attention and you want to build your following, you better come out with something when that news hits. Whether you think it's true or not, you don't really have the time to fact check because somebody else is going to tweet it and they're going to get all the likes in the world, whether they're right or not, three days later when the actual decision comes out. So like, I just feel like it's it's going to be hard. Like you would be to, to get the ideal world that we're talking about where people actually fact check everything. You'd be asking for social media to basically die. Well, okay. Well, let's look at, uh, so Chris Broussard, Chris Carter, and uh, I can't remember the kid that did the Lakers take, but Broussard was absolutely just wrong. But this is, I think this is one of the times where people are like, I don't think we can trust anybody's like he needs to put just, just playing or just saying on the end of everything. Like this is my, (laughs) maybe, Super professional. (laughs) Because, I mean, this is like the fifth wrong take. And it's just like, how many many takes are we going to give somebody who's supposed to be your trusted source? Like, okay, let's take Kellerman out because, yeah, he is a personality and you're supposed to have hot takes. Let's take, like, the first take crew out. Let's take uh, Billis out. And let's just stick with, you know, your your job is being an NBA insider, but your NBA insider info is always wrong. Is it like how many times can we give people passes? It's the, so before we jumped on, right, Taylor, you talked about being on the radio today and how difficult it is to come up with content for multiple hours a day every day. Yeah. I think that's what happens, right? Is is first you have to think about that. You have to think about the fact that like you just have to say stuff sometimes because you just need to say something and like it just needs to be on the air. Mm-hmm. The other side is what Cam said is we've allowed journalists to become meteorologists in this Twitter like I have to be first kind of wave, right? Me you see wrong. what I did there? You see what I did there? I I, I did. I, I had my ear perk up for a second. I was like, all right, I get it. Well, we allow we allow people to be wrong in in an effort to be first. Right. Right. And it's then okay, kind of to Cam's point. Like Chris Broussard was on Fox Sports today. And it's like, how? How <laughs> how can how are you on TV today? <laughs> after everything you said last week was complete, absolutely completely wrong, right. right? And we allow that because of the fact that social media drives everything, interactions drive what we do from this this sports journalism space now. And essentially, I'll say it again, like we've we've allowed 
reporters and journalists to really just be meteorologists. They get up there, they like hear one thing or have some some path and like, hey, this is what's going to happen. And then it completely doesn't happen. And then we don't care. I think we do more than just allow it. I think we re- we reward it. Like, I think we're like, oh, hey, this dude is first. And I'm waiting for this news because like fans aren't really going to fact check the people that they think are already fact checking stuff. So like it's, you know, you're just going to be excited and favorite and retweet and do all that stuff just because this person came out with the news first, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's more than just being like, oh, cool. I'm gonna let this dude do this. I'm just going to look at it and keep scrolling. That's like, I see that this dude said this and I'm going to retweet it so that it reaches even more people so that I can reward this person for probably being wrong two days from now. Right. <laughs> are you, are you, are you screenshotted and put into a group chat and then all this other stuff? And then it's like a whole, it's a whole conversation about, Something that is just not like, or at least at least what seventy five percent of the time recently has not ended up happening. Right. So it's like, what do we waste all of our time for? So right. what we need to be doing is just throwing out the most wild takes just to get traction with people. It doesn't matter anymore. And let's just let's just say Allen Iverson coming out of retirement and joining up with the Lakers to give him an extra an extra point guard or something something just something just crazy. I mean, I was gonna—I tried to hold back. I tried to hold back my Dwight Howard to the Saints take, but <laughs> you know, I—I I, I figured that might be too out there for people right now. I mean, I just had to bring it because, like, it, it, it's, just a, it's just a lot right now. That's fine. <laughs> that was good. Hey, right, we can gain. Let's let's have that gain traction. Hashtag Dwight Howard Saints. Dwight Howard number two <laughs> Saints. Heard he met. <laughs> They're talking contract deals right now. Jeez. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough. So I mean, that's the it's probably a perfect transition, right? Since we got Cam here, yeah. do you feel the same way? Does that happen uh, within your world, right? To is it is it sexy or is it cool to be the first person to report on something that's news within within Hollywood? I'm not, and I'm not talking gossip, right? I'm not talking that type mm-hmm. of stuff. I'm talking like real stories that are within the industry. Uh, in a way. I, I think that the ratio of correct to incorrect is is normally higher uh, because like usually people wait, like the thing that probably gets leaked the most is like such and such is in talks for this. And that, that's mm. what you hear it. Like that's that's what you see in the, in the title of the trades. But um, in talks, what that really means is like, they've already been offered, they've said yes, and they've expressed interest and they're just in the like deal making process. So like, right. as long as somebody doesn't screw up that deal, then like, it's going to happen. Right. So like most of the stuff that gets leaked is just like, tends to be true. Uh, or is probably going to happen only a few times. Do you see like, Oh, this deal fell through or this movie we said was going to happen and ended up not happening because such and such walked off of it or something like that, you know, but I don't know. I don't know what the, the differences between like how it works in entertainment versus how it works in sports. Other than like, there's, it's so rarely speculation. It's like, Hey, such and such saw this. And like, we know this for a fact or their agents allowed it to leak or something like that. And then kind of go from there. But you know, yeah, the sports equivalent is baffling. I think the power of slander and libel to use that in the entertainment industry is so strong that if you're wrong, that is career ending for you as a journalist. Oh, yeah. Or if you're if you're wrong, also it could be career ending for um, whoever you said it about. Regardless, just people got too much money. Yeah, I, people got too much money. Even the Harvey Weinstein thing, right? Can you imagine like if if such a united front was not put together for like the stuff that he was doing? Like he could probably just suit everybody. Oh, and yeah. just like let them dry. And been like, all right, cool. Like now, I'm moving on with my life, producing movies. Big Bang. Well, didn't he? I mean, he he did do that, right? With like Ashley Judd and some other people, right? Yeah, but I mean, I think Ashley Judd has money too. Like, you know, she. It's not like she's not a star, but like Harvey has more probably. But either way, it's just like that that idea of like, hey, I can just be like he said or he said she said about like X issue. Yeah, and you know if. Like whether that person is wrong or not, like I can make it seem like it by just staying in court forever. I mean, Bill Cosby's trying to do it still, you know. Yeah, he's got more cases I, coming out, and he's trying to get new new judges 
and it's a whole thing. That's why I think was it. It's uh, I mean, when you look at the aisle and you're coming down a grocery store and you have what is in touch weekly or whatever, they're I feel like they're, they're protected under the first amendment for saying whatever. I don't think, I don't, do they put journalist names behind the headlines or is it just everything's behind the company? So the company will handle it. No, I don't know if I've ever even opened one of those. Either. So I, have no I, idea. Just, I just always see the headline. But it, it, yeah, it, yeah, well, I mean, one dude is sitting there like, Oh, Hey, Jeff Smith wrote this. Hey, gonna make his it happened to Will Smith, man. Jay Leno came <laughs> after him real hard about that dumping oil out in his front yard, not caring about the planet. If y'all remember that Fresh Prince episode. But then you take like take like Perez, uh, Perez Hilton, Perez yeah. Hilton, because he's been just going after people for years, uh, and I don't think he's really ever been sued or anything like that. Or maybe he has. Just there's so much truth to what he said, maybe that it just it just gets him off. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know for sure uh, on on that front, but I'm, I'm I'm I bet you he probably has been sued before. I think he has um, like but- multiple times. Yeah, maybe he like settled out of court or, you know, again, things that come with money. Hey, well, how did uh just on a safety note, I know you were out of you were out of town, but how did uh how did everybody else kind of fare for people that you knew in LA for the earthquakes that were happening? You had the six point nine, the seven point one, Hollywood shaking up. I mean, you had the fires coming through, burning down celebs' homes, actors' homes, actresses, regular people. How would how was everybody? I meant to, I meant to ask that to start out. Uh, well, I asked my roommate if anything in our apartment had like been damaged, and he said no. Uh, but we came back, and at my girlfriend's place, there were just like a few things that were off. Like she had a couple of picture frames that had like fallen. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. other than that, you know, most of the people that I've talked to have been like, we felt it, but it wasn't that deep. But oh, okay. I mean, six point nine and seven point one would say otherwise. So. Uh, it's tough to gauge, especially when like I was in San Francisco, so I didn't, I didn't feel any of it myself. But yeah. do you do you have your go bag ready, your disaster bag? I saw you guys talking about it, and I was like, mm, I should start. If but, you're if you're no, in California, <laughs> if you're in California, listen to these words: you need to have a designated bag that has your basic necessities for survival, some cash. Because when the systems are down, you can't swipe on that POS system. I kind of use the same word twice. But if you can't swipe on that POS, you need cash to barter. That's the only thing that works out there when the system is crumbling down. Do you have a space blanket? Do you have a water filter? You need to have these things. Like just maybe maybe an MRE or or, or a meal ready. Yeah, meal ready. Like whatever. That's what the military does. I've I've looked this up at like one in the morning. I've done a lot of research. I don't think people have that. Go ahead, go ahead, Sterling. I was gonna say I don't think people have all that, but uh, yeah, it was crazy to see, right? Like, because um, it, it happened, at, you know, it was felt in Vegas. The summer league shut down a couple mm-hmm. days ago because of the earthquakes. Um, yeah, it's just I remember when I had my first one out, like out in California, and it, it's just weird to like wake up to like the bed just absolutely like rocking. Like, what is going, you know what I mean? And I'm one of those like paranormal activity. Like I get very scared of that stuff. So uh, my, my first thought is like a ghost is in my room and like, I'm going to die. Right. And then the, then you're like, Oh, it's an earthquake. So and then, then it ended up being something real. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Don't, don't, don't play with ghosts. Don't, don't play around with ghosts now. Don't, don't make, don't do that. Are we, are we going to take that left turn right now? Are we, are, is this, is this, no, don't, podcast don't, don't become about ghosts. I, I, I know. We, I was just saying, don't play with ghosts, man. Stuff, stuff happens. Some weird things happen. Don't play around with them. Uh, but let me let me ask this question. This is a very serious question. I, I kind of I did ask you about this last time, but it continues to happen, and it's it's very infuriating. Why in Hollywood are we doing live action remakes of old classic movies? I Lion King. I just saw the trailer for Mulan. They're doing Mermaid, uh, Little Mermaid. What's I'm excited the, for Mulan. I'm gonna say that right now before your question. Well, Go ahead. But but what is the reason for taking? Why don't they just redo them as a cartoon and then put it out straight to DVD, make money, blah 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 blah. Why do we need to do live action? Are we out of ideas? I, I asked you this last. Are we out of First ideas off, in Hollywood? DVD. Don't act like just because you on you're on Netflix. Yes, people still use DVDs. What? Who are you? Are you that? Are you are you saying we're we're that far ahead when people don't use DVDs now? We just got off cassettes. No, I'm 
I'm being dead serious. Like, there's not that many like red boxes still around, right? Like, everyone streams. I mean, I don't red box, but I mean, they're still selling DVDs at a Best Buy. You go to Walmart. There's Target. There's they're prevalent. They're they're everywhere. DVDs are still everywhere. I, I mean, DVDs are still, and I think they're still in heavy circulation, for sure. I just but feel like, like I think they're weaning. They're they're weaning. Yeah, and deals, that. right? Like deals go, they go straight to streaming devices. They typically don't go ah, straight man. to we're, DVD, right? We're gonna be right back. We're gonna be right back to just cable. It's <laughs> it's funny. It's funny how we did that. Like, it's gonna be so many streaming services, and then they're just gonna offer a streaming bundle, and it's gonna be just like watching just regular cable. cable. Yeah, yep. actually, I want to ask you about that, but I'll, Cam, I'll let you answer Taylor's question about the the remakes. Are we out of ideas? Uh, I don't think we are. Uh, I think that the business savvy in terms of risk to reward at studios and production companies is tightening because uh, of the surplus in television shows and also like the weaning box office. So I feel like people are saying, how can we actually break even? You know, what can we guarantee is going to be like a a winning amalgamation of like director, writer, and story, right. you know? So a lot of times the thing that's going to be the sure thing in terms of making money is IP. So like intellectual property that like already exists mm -hmm. that you can say, okay, we can adapt this into something else. We have the audience already built in. And then if, if we put like a big director right now and, and a big writer and get some good talent, mm -hmm. we're going to break even and we'll make our however, however much money we expected to make this summer, we'll make that. And we don't have to take any risks because like the bigger risk is, is, hey, here's this dope fantasy story from this writer. It's that person's first script. We're going to give it to another director who's like kind of like a young first time, second time director. Right. Who nobody really knows. And we got to hope that people go to the movie because we have to market it well. And like, and then if we don't do it well, because it's their first time doing it, then we lost money on it. So like, right. that's a tough decision to make than like doing whatever's considered tried and true. Uh, so it's a bigger deal when like the movies that you put out like that flop and fail. Cause it means somebody lost a ton of money. Right. And they thought that it was going to be a sure thing. I personally can't, stand that that is the place the industry is in right now, especially as a writer who's like, Hey, they're original ideas. Like I have friends who write and they have plenty of original ideas. And like, you know, I have coworkers who write and they have plenty of original ideas. And a lot of times those ideas don't really get the time of day. Cause they'll be like, who do we attach this? Who do we have a connection with? How do we make mm -hmm. this thing viable in terms of like business, you know? So you start to lose. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, all good. Um, all good. See, so we're basically living season what season four to eight right now of Entourage. Like they, you want to put out your Medellin, but you can't incur that and that loss if it, if it flops. Putting in big money behind an original idea, um, or like you know they had Smoke Jumpers as well that they tried to do for like Vinny Chase. Like you want, I can understand that from the studio standpoint. And I know, like you said, with, with things waning when it comes to streaming services as well, I don't know if you guys saw Triple Frontier, that Ben Affleck movie that went from, uh, they bought it from Paramount and yep. put it on Netflix. Apparently mm -hmm. that flopped with Netflix as well. So Netflix is actually reevaluating what they're doing for creative, for creative works. So they're not going to take the, uh, the big risk that they've been doing and had success with since they had that flop and they had another major flop that they, they spent $200 million on. Mm -hmm. I actually like Triple Frontier. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was bad. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't watch it. It, it got dragged uh, by yeah. some of the people that I work with. Yeah, or worked with. But yeah, yeah. I read. They, they did not seem to be big fans. I read that as well. I I didn't know because I, I I Sterling talked about it and I went and watched it and I was like, oh, you know, I I enjoyed it. That took like a twenty minute break, but it was all right. Um, so I do understand that from a monetary standpoint, but I think like you know, if you do have a really good original idea, like the movie that's coming out uh, with. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, and I think he's going to be a police officer in like New York City, trying to like solve crimes in a certain type of way. But it's a different spin on it. I think those type of ideas with the star power, also, if you're going to put 
a lot of money behind it. Let's not work, focus on the CGI, but let's focus on what we can do in a st old Steven Spielberg Star Wars way by being authentic with what we're trying to put out there on the screen instead of relying on computers. I think, I think you're gonna have a bigger return because people are kind of tired of seeing CGI. Um, I mean, I, 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 think you're, I think you're right. Uh, not necessarily in terms of like the CGI because like you're just gonna need CGI for some of the bigger world building right. ideas. Uh, but in terms of just like original stories, you know, uh, I think that there's so much room for that. I mean, cause the big, again, the, the big word in Hollywood right now is IP, like bring in a book that you like, that you think you can adapt, bring in a graphic novel, bring in some podcast idea you heard and like, can you make it into a TV show? Like, it's all about like what already exists that is like a New York times bestseller or something like that, that like mm -hmm. we can just latch on to and get the rights and and option it and like have that be like our next big thing uh right. it's so rarely just like hey this came from the mind of this one person you know right yeah and that's interesting on that part right and this is what i wanted to ask you is because there's so many streaming services there's so many there's so much content being put out there is it easier would you say in today's age, if you're trying to break into Hollywood to get in, or is it still really, really difficult with, even with more jobs, is it still more, is it still really difficult to try to break in? Uh, it's, it's always going to be difficult to break in. Like, cause so much of it is like, so much of it is just a little bit of luck. Like who you end up running into the friends you make, the connections they have, like who can help you out, like stuff like that. Uh, and then the other part of it is just the general, toughness that it takes to actually like churn out content, you know, keep writing and keep acting, even if you're not getting paid to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. So you can build, like a library of, of stuff, uh, but more jobs. I mean, you need people who are going to be like, sure, I'll be a PA on that. And then like, maybe no one helps me. And then like, I'm out of a job after being a production assistant that one time and then I have to be a production right. assistant again. I still got to pay rent in LA. That's like super expensive. And it's just, really difficult to churn or to, to string together like four or five jobs, uh, hopefully not at the same level that like actually vaults you up and like lets you move up the ranks, uh, at least on the production side. On the agency side, you still got to spend a year, year and a half, two years getting yelled at, uh, actually delivering mail to people. Lord! <laughs> exactly. Uh, wearing a suit every day, having holes in those suits because your elbows are on your desk, like all the little things that happen that you're just like, I have to pay my dues in order to make this work and not everybody's willing to pay their dues. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people who do pay their dues still don't get lucky enough to have, you know, a mentor or somebody who can really uh, take their work and say, hey, I trust this person. This person's good. Like, let's, like, you should take a chance on them. So like you said, for paying your dues, how is it received? I don't know if you can expand on it or not. I don't, I don't really know how it's looked at, but how is it perceived being an IG quote unquote star? You're putting up 15 seconds, 30 seconds worth of content. And you know, now you're making millions and you can go to red carpets, blah, 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 blah. And you have actors who are like, you're not good. And then these IG actors, some of them like take King batch or King power. I think it's King batch. And he's, really done well for himself from going from Vine, Instagram, and then now getting on TV series. Are Instagram stars still looked at as a peer? And then also as a, from an agent standpoint, like, oh, we want to represent them or, you know, they're going to have drawing power to the, to the TV screen. Or is this just still a quick buck really at the end of the day? I mean, you can make good money off of being an IG star, but yeah. it's really not going to elevate you, take you anywhere that far to where I think, think some people will. are, I'm sorry. I, uh, I think some people are bitter about it, uh, but I guess it, it's just kind of hard because it's like, I don't know. Sometimes people are always worried about other people instead of worrying about themselves. Um, where like they're, they're always worried about somebody getting like their, like what they deserve. You know, they're like, hey, like I want this person to not make it because mm. they don't deserve to make it. And it's like, well, who gave you the power to, to think that? But I think at the right. end of the day, it's not up to the people who are peers or maybe do or don't consider Instagrammers peers. I think it's more about uh, the people that are taking the chances on these Instagrammers. Cause what do they have? They have right. following, 
right? And what's gonna be more of a sure thing in terms of like you putting together a movie, people who are gonna go to the theaters because it's such and such, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, hey, I used to watch that person's Vine or I watch this person on Instagram all the time. Like, I'm gonna go see their movie that they're in now. So like studios are sometimes, not all the time, because like yeah. you can be a big actor in an indie movie or, or, or you can be a small actor who gets their big break in an indie movie or something like that. But like uh, a lot of times they're like, we can make this small movie for a smaller platform, like a YouTube Red or, or something like that. I'm gonna make this movie on there and we're gonna make money because we're gonna have a million and a half people, two million people who come just to watch that one star because they follow them. So like a lot of ways I feel like that's where some of the jealousy comes from is like that person could get a movie greenlit probably before that like actor who's been struggling for five, six years coming out here and yeah. still doesn't have anything to show for it. Hold up, YouTube Red is looked at as a viable option for, I know they had like the release of like Cobra Kai or whatever, which is basically, it's like the sub-series to uh, like Karate Kid or something like that, I think it's something along those lines. So YouTube friend, Red is actually, sorry, sorry what did you say? My friend worked on Cobra Kai. So okay. yeah, it's, it's it's a legitimate show that I think is gonna get a season three, but. So, but sorry. YouTube Red is really looked at like that. So we're gonna just, we're gonna throw a movie or we're gonna throw a full series on YouTube. I'm not paying for YouTube Red at all, even though they keep saying, uh, <laughs> I can play my music without without having the app up. Uh, to an extent, right? Like if you have a movie that you know is gonna be smaller, mm -hmm. but you just need to break even for you as a company, then like, yeah, like YouTube's gonna be like, we can make this movie for 5 million or less, and we're gonna have a bunch of people subscribe just to watch this one person who got their start on YouTube. You know what I mean? Uh, that's easy. Uh, or easier than like taking a bigger risk. Uh, now, do do I think it's a lot of people's end goal to be like, hey, I have this YouTube Red show or movie? Like, maybe not. But like at the end of the day, like they're gonna give you a paycheck, and you're gonna have your creative material that's out in the world, and it could be a break to get into something else if you want to get into something else. You know, it's just it's not always as simple as like, well, I'm gonna wait for that next big Warner Brothers movie. Mm -hmm. When Warner Brothers like, actually, we're gonna dig into our like Vertigo stuff for like graphic novels, or we're gonna dig into Legendary for like monster stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if they're making movies like that. You're not always gonna be like, oh, I have Warner Brothers looking at this small indie script that I made. That's like, you know, my college dream. Yeah. You know, it's just tougher. Oh, okay. Cause I'm never paying for it. I mean, I, I would like for somebody, if somebody else paid for it, I would then go on it just so I could use it and close the app and play music. Well, that was uh, my point, right? There's yeah. just so many options now, right? There's, and there seems to be so many shows, so many, I mean, I, I feel like I click on a new show on Netflix or on Amazon uh, video and it's like actors I've never seen before. Right. Which, which in one way is really, really cool. But to your point, right, I'm sure it's those people have been either grinding or, like, they got lucky and been getting onto those shows and stuff like that. Like, the opportunity, which is the, the tough thing, right? It seems like opportunities to be, like, abundant in this mm -hmm. with everything that we have going on. But, of course, it's still Hollywood at the end of the day. Oh, abundance, abundance and opportunity on the talent side, you know, uh, in terms of whether or not you're – tiny show on Netflix gets seen is another story, you know, cause Netflix right. is probably going to market, you know, their big, you know, nine figure deal people's shows, you know, right. your Kenya Barris, your Ryan Murphy's like that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. You may not see as many ads uh, uh, on the app for like that small movie that you're talking about. You just come across it on your own. Um, but even so you're probably seeing what a percentage of what's actually there. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just, it's just tough, you know, as a consumer, but that's what I'm saying. Somebody's going to come forward and they're going to be like, all right, well, look, I bet you it's like spectrum or AT&T. And they're like, all right, well, look, we can batch all of these streaming services for you for a fee. And then you're going to buy that. Cause you're going to be like, yeah, I want all these things. And then it's going to be just like paying for cable. Yeah, it will be. And I think that's a funny point. A good point. She said, we're gonna, you're gonna offer all of these, and then it's gonna. I think maybe South Park made a joke about it or something, just like that. And then, oh, but we're gonna bundle all of these bundles up together, and then put them <laughs> on a service for you, and then you can pay for the service and have all these things to stream. 
It's like, yeah, it's just that's just basic television. Because ESPN and going ESPN Plus, which I I think ESPN Plus is going to be good, to, but that's a whole another discussion for another time. Uh, but it's just going to be interesting. But let me ask this question: if we can we can finish it out on this, you can say what you can say. If you can't, I understand it. But first question: since you've been out in LA and Hollywood, how has has how was how has your time been out there in Hollywood? Do you do you like it? Was it what you thought it was going to be? Was it worse? Was it was it better? Was it worse? Secondly. We kept this kind of a secret. You are, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I won't say you are, but there's a lot of, uh, we're, we're coming off of Endgame. You got Spider-Man Homecoming coming out. There's a lot of Marvel's productions coming out there. Is there anything that you can drop for the people about what's going to be going on with Marvel? So one, how's Hollywood? Two, what can you tell us as an insider for our people with inside information for some, for some Marvel stuff? Uh, Hollywood is, is basically kind of what I expected. Uh, there's some people who use the opportunity to, to use other people and, and get their leg up the way they want to get their leg up. And there's other people who play it clean and maybe walk away and, uh, move back home. So like, it's, there's a tough middle ground that you kind of have to exist in where you're trying to make real friendships with people and you're trying to be genuine. Uh, but you also have to kind of be somewhat of a bulldog when it's like getting the opportunities that you want to get and making sure that somebody's not using you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an interesting dynamic, but I, I enjoy it. Like I, I'm pretty sure this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, also, I didn't really have a fallback plan, so like it better be. Hey, that's, that's, <laughs> what, you know, that's what you know. You got to make it. So you're, you're basically saying there's going to be a moment you're going to walk into a big Hollywood exec. You're going to see like a friend of yours script sitting on the desk in the trash can right there. And you're going to be like, hey, uh, can you tell me what the time is behind you? Kick that script off, lay your script down, and be like, did you need anything? Be like, no, no, no. Just have it. Just want to make sure if you're good, if you need anything. And that's, the, that's the thing. That's the thing. I, script. That, that's the thing I don't want to do, but Doggy I dog. see what you <laughs> I see what you're saying. No, I, I think there's a way to play, to play fair, and let being a good person actually be the thing that like gets you through. It's like being a good person, and then and then uh, letting your your talent kind of speak for itself. You know, like when you come out of rooms, having people be like, "Oh, like that guy was great." You know, that like he did, like he went above and beyond the work he was. We were expecting of him, like that kind of stuff. As I think, what's really gonna get you forward because i feel like it always eh, not always most of the time it catches up with people who are who are jerks but every once in a while there's people who are jerks and you're like man i guess they're a big deal now hey you know karma does come back to people one way or another they can still get some success but karma always comes back i believe uh, uh what can you what can you what can you drop for us what can you, what can you tell uh, about people? marvel uh absolutely nothing <laughs> <laughs> My uh, the joke that I have is like Disney's got snipers in the trees everywhere. So it's like if you if you mess it, <laughs> if you utter a syllable of something, you'll get shot. <laughs> it's Fair. just not. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I can say that the show I'm working on is called WandaVision. That's already been announced. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's bringing back like the same. Uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch, those are like the two people. So uh, like Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are, are returning to reply to reprise those roles. But other than that, I am not allowed to say anything because I know that there's a question that you have. I can see you get ready to ask it. I'm not gonna be able to answer it for you, but I'll let you ask it. Uh, no, I was just gonna say, I'm not the most well-versed person when it comes to the Marvel's universe comic-wise. Did Vision always turn into an English white man? Like how can he couldn't have been a black man uh, after he turned from his red person, couldn't have been a black dude, Latino guy. Let's go uh, Asian. Was he always just a white guy? I was just, I'm just curious. Are you asking me what? Uh, so I don't, I don't know how you'd be able to tell in the comics because he was always you would red. You would, you would never tell in the comics that he was red. Well, in, in the comics, he is red all the time. I'm pretty sure, but yeah. in terms of his like other form, yeah. Uh, I think that's like a deeper question that that's probably not mine to answer. It's just Hollywood bringing in a big name. I mean, there's no just nothing nothing against him. I thought he was a great. Look, man, hey, Mexican vision, I'm in. Woo. You know what I mean? I know. I, I, I'm all in on that, but I I don't the logistics of that. Uh, I think in they probably were dealing with like a an open ethnicity deal. Uh, 
in terms of casting. Okay. Well, I mean, I appreciate you trying to say what you can say. I know everything is held tightly, <laughs> especially with the success that they've had with Marvel in these past years, um, starting off with the, the with the Iron Man series. So uh, thanks for the for you know, thanks for dropping what you could and what you what you're working on and what's going to be out there. Uh, we'll we'll get off air and you know you can tell us what it was really going down. You know uh, we we appreciate it. That's that's the benefits of being a good host out here, people. If you want to get the inside information, make yourself a radio show. Uh, but Cam, like always, man, we appreciate you coming on. It's always a pleasure. I know you get you know your schedule's really busy out there, so thanks for coming on, Sterling, Steve. Keep it up down there. Uh, safe traveling on the roads as well. Everybody, we appreciate y'all listening. You know where you can always find us at iTunes and Spotify, Google Play at To The Max. And you're on IG, Instagram, and on Twitter at To The Max Radio. You can follow Cam on IG and Twitter at just Cam Squires, I believe, underscore Cam, Cam Squires. I think on Instagram, it's Cam underscore Squires. And then on Twitter, it's just Cam Squires. Cam Squires. And Sterling, I think it is just at Mac everything on Twitter and Instagram. And for myself, Instagram at TaylorMac29 on IG and at our TMac29 on IG and TaylorMac29 on Twitter. So we appreciate everybody. This is to the max.